Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. If there's one common thread, it might be that men perceive church as too feminine. We have to be aggressive in the world when it's appropriate. We are warriors. One, two, three. Warriors! You are a real man when you commit to study God's word and you commit to being conformed and transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's the biblical perspective on being a man. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. If misery loves company... I'm so glad you're here. This is Wretched Radio. Wow, did I go through an exercise taking the bullet so you don't have to. The big question that is being asked these days in many circles is, where did all the workers go? Wait a second, that's a different question. Another one of the big questions that people are pondering these days is, why aren't young people getting married anymore? It has been an intriguing mystery to me. I have to confess, like pretty much everybody else who's talking about this subject, a bit baffled. There are some social forces that appear to be at play that are keeping young people from pursuing a sweetheart to get married and have babies. So I was on Reddit because somebody sent me the link and I thought, okay, I'm going to give this a go. The question that was asked in the article is, why are young men giving up on dating? I was intrigued, especially with the fact that there were thousands of comments. Everybody sharing their own anecdote as to why they are putting it off or giving up completely. And so I started to read through, started to read through all of the comments. That was no easy task. Misery does love company, and you're about to be miserable because I'm going to share with you what I thought was representative of the thousands. I didn't read all of them. I only got through 25 pages of like hundreds, and I, I couldn't do no more, and I was kind of getting the point. Now, whenever we see something in culture that is awry, it's different, it's new, it's never usually a single issue that makes that happen. There are a lot of forces, but the one that jumped out to me in this particular article on Reddit, can't believe I just said that sentence. Apps, apps. Most of the guys, young men in this article that were commenting would blame apps. Now, here's my understanding of it because, well, you probably know I am a technological guru. So I think the way that it works is these app things, (laughs) you basically put the best picture you can possibly put up of yourself. You make yourself look as amazing as you want to be perceived. And then you put some information about yourself and you try to be funny and you try to capture somebody's attention because people sit there and then just swipe looking at pictures. And unless a picture attracts their attention, You're just not in the game. What a lovely system we've concocted here in the 21st century. Could it be any more vapid than that? Could it be any more shallow? Could it be any more in keeping with the times that everything is superficial? Everything is about looks and appearance. It makes sense, but it is causing young men, at least in this particular article, to go, I can't do no more. I can't take it. I can't take the rejection. I, I, I can't. It's just not worth it. That was the repeated refrain. 
Now, I have to confess to you. Now, granted, I know people were just commenting on one question, but some of it felt very, what would be the kindest word I could concoct right now? Weak. It just sounds kind of soft. Kind of like, oh, got hard, so I quit. And it appears that that isn't just an, a one-off. That appears to be a lot of them. So for your consideration, let me share with you. Jimmy, are you ready to go to Reddit land? Oh, it's, uh... Why are young men giving up on dating? One person in the whole shebang hit one of the points that I thought was the biggie. Nevertheless, the article begins, the constant feeling of wanting affection all stems from social media. no. That stems from our heart. Social media can exacerbate it, but it is fine that you desire people to care for you. We are built to be in relationship. Nevertheless, I came to the realization that I'm doing nothing but wasting my time by talking to girls mm. that only want to talk on Instagram, but wouldn't even pick up a phone for a call, let alone meet up. It's a waste of time watching their stories and liking their pictures because that's time and effort that I could be putting toward my hobbies, watching videos and lifting weights. I can't help it. I, I, I can't help but immediately start to make a connection to pornography. There is just no way that a young man who is healthy is not attracted to women for the purposes of intimacy, procreation, potentially, partnership. That is a natural, normal, strong desire for young men. So what is the outlet for those urges? What else could it possibly be but more internet activities like pornography? So here's you're going to get a flavor for the, the, the attitude that young people have young men have about dating. Pastor, this might be helpful. If you lead youth groups, this might be something that you could perhaps bring up to discuss when you're not watching Road Trip to Truth Season 2 available at wretched.org. You could talk about this subject. What is your attitude about marriage? And start teaching biblically why marriage is a beautiful, wonderful thing. Don't be discouraged. Don't be, don't be put off. And you could also teach on the gift of singleness, which is not that you don't have passions for another person. The gift of singleness is you're not married. That's it. You're, you're not married. It's not like God went, because you don't have urges, I'm going to just, then I've given you the gift of singleness. No, the gift of singleness is that if you don't have a spouse and children, you've got a lot of free time that you can dedicate to the church. That's the gift of singleness. So if you're not married, you have the gift of singleness. Where should you use your time? Not on social media, at your local church. You could be having these discussions with young people. And by the way, speaking of Road Trip to Truth, I got to tell you, we were just editing our last episode last night with Nate Pickowitz. Go ahead, say it. Trust me, it's fun. Pastor Nate Pickowitz, who wrote a book called How to Eat Your Bible, and we were talking about hermeneutics and how to interpret the Bible. Now, remember, this is aimed at youth. And I sat back and I thought, how many other programs talk about biblical hermeneutics in a compelling sort of way that the kids need to hear about? 
because they can't they don't know why everybody comes up with a different interpretation. It's because they have a different hermeneutic. So without apologies, we talk about all of the different forms of hermeneutics that have cropped up over the years, the allegorical, the anagogical the Christological, and then, of course, the right one, grammatical, historical. Road Trip is available at wretched.org. From Reddit, loneliness is a very uncomfortable emotion. But, in my experience, relationships bring a host of their own far more painful emotions. So I would rather be lonely than risk. That's fascinating, and that is a consistent theme. Loneliness doesn't goof up my workday in the same way anger over a disagreement does. Yeah, okay. Or the way I feel when I'm waiting to hear back from someone who has ghosted me. Plus, life is just too high stakes right now. A bad choice can be really hard to come back from in this day and age, especially if you're past 30. Making a bad call when choosing a partner is very common. No, it, it just means that they're not prepared and equipped to be married yet. This one is another consistent theme. I realized the ROI just was not there. I got a lot more enjoyment from working out, hanging out with friends, and just being alone. Another. I'm happy and financially stable, so I'm terrified of a woman pretending to like me and then bolting out the window, leaving me broke and depressed. Yeah, well, that could happen. (laughs) It usually doesn't. That is the exception to the rule. We hear those stories and they're remarkable because, well, they're remarkable. Desires lead to misery, wrote another. Hope is the first step on the path to disappointment. I go, this is, these are all different ones. And by the way, um, the F-bomb is a very popular word these days, used in the strangest ways. I go through periods of positivity and depression a couple times a year, and I look at what triggers most of the depressive episodes. I don't know if it's just the free apps or if it's just the inevitable outcome of trying to digitize and commodify human connection. Yeah, I think, yeah, and yeah, but all dating apps seem to make people just seem disposable, particularly yourself. Mom and dad might be some helpful information for you if my summary of the sampling of Reddit responses as to why young men are not getting married, there are some proactive things that you can do. We don't know yet what social media is going to do to kids. Actually, I think this article indicates we do know. It's changed the way young people view the world, marriage, children, dating, money, everything. How do you get in front of this? Uh, Well, you get in front of this. The earlier, the better. The more you can control your kid's social media, the more under control he or she will ultimately be. You're welcome for me taking the bullet. This is Wretched Radio. If only we had a clip of Dr. Steve Lawson explaining what the Masters Academy International is and perhaps encouraging you to support it. Hey, hey, what's this button? 
The goal of TMAI is to take the timeless truths and the timeless principles that are found in the Word of God and build those into men in those countries so that they in turn can preach the Word of God and be used by God to plant churches. Talk about providence, Dr. Steve Lawson commending and encouraging you to support this long vision ministry, equipping pastors to rightly divide the word of truth by going to a mini seminary, we'll call it, in 17 nations around the globe, trained by a master seminary graduate. It is brilliant. Please learn more about the Master's Academy International, wretched.org slash pastor. I want to share with you voicemails we receive nearly daily here at Wretched. Wretched Radio has just really impacted my life. Just really brought me closer to God. Through your video, God saved me. Wouldn't know what to do if I didn't have NRB and Wretched TV. Just wanted to say that Wretched has changed my life. We are grateful to hear the testimonies of our listeners and our viewers, and we want you to also hear the lives that are being impacted by you, our gospel partners. These testimonies aren't about Todd. They're not about Wretched Radio or TV. We wouldn't be able to do the things that we do at Wretched without the support of our gospel partners. So would you prayerfully consider becoming a gospel partner today if you aren't already? Help us to reach the lost all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ because ultimately the glory is all His. It's not Wretched's. It's not even yours. But it is your efforts that help make our efforts possible. And all of those efforts are to the praise and glory of God alone. Get complete details right now at Wretched.org slash donate. So there you are on your Googler machine trying to find a restaurant. What do you look for? Ratings and reviews. If it gets lots of stars, positive reviews, chances are pretty good you're going to go there. Question, would you be inclined to go to a restaurant that had a 98% approval rating and rave reviews? I suspect you would. MetaShare, affordable, biblical, health sharing, has a 98% approval rating. 400,000 members strong, sharing one another's healthcare bills, saving billions of dollars over the years, saving families on average $500 a month. And 98% of the members of MediShare give it a hearty thumbs up. I encourage you to call them and see if MediShare is right for you and your family. 1-844-34-BIBLE. 1-844-34-BIBLE for MediShare. Books of the Bible Ezekiel was a prophet and priest in Israel. The language in the book of Ezekiel is often symbolic and figurative, but the message is clear. God rules over and judges men and nations. When you are tempted by sin, Ezekiel reminds us that God is holy and has called His people to holiness. He will go to great lengths to purge evil from among them. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Wise as serpents, gentle as doves with young people. This is Wretched Radio. Generations come, they go. And whilst we don't want to stereotype an entire group of people simply because they share the same dash of years that they were born, there do seem to be some tendencies amongst particular generations. And incidentally, there's nothing wrong with commenting on that culturally. We seem to blanch when it comes to discussing any people group because, well, that's just being stereotypical. It's being misogynistic. It's being racist. It's being ageist. 
it's it's being critical and judgmental and oppressive. And yet, doesn't Paul do that? Was everybody in Crete a Cretan? No, not everybody. I'm sure there were some industrious people. But Paul agreed with the assessment of a poet who said, basically, they're lazy bums. And Paul apparently shared that picture of an entire people group without, of course, saying everybody there is that. And so it is. We've got ourselves a brand new dash. It would be the next generation identified as Z. These are people born between 97 and 2012. Is it just me or are generations getting shorter? 15 years now is a generation? I I used to think it was 20. In fact, I think before then it was even longer than that. At any rate, if you and I are going to teach, raise up, evangelize a particular demographic, we do well to understand them. It's not because we're going to contextualize the message. No, it's because I want to understand who I'm talking to because I might be able to say some things that scratch the itches that they currently have. This happens to be from Christian Post. It ha- it's a gathering, a concoction, probably not the right, right word. It is a, it is a, not a collaboration, not a consideration. Somebody get out of the stores and help me here. A collection of different surveys and studies about Gen Z. I don't know if you got one, but you're probably going to bump into one. And I found something fascinating in the theme that described Gen Z because I happen to know that Christianity offers the solution to their present problem. And that, to me, is exciting. How to understand Gen Z. They're born between 97 and 2012. Thomas M. Kulapoulos. I wonder if he's got a Greek heritage. Can I say heritage? Is that, okay? is that wrong to say any? And Dan Keldzen. Extrapolating from their research, we learned that before Gen Z, the Internet was perceived as a privilege after it's a human right. Before Gen Z, failure was avoided. After Gen Z, it is embraced as fast as possible. I don't know what that means. I'm intrigued. They embrace failure. In other words, apparently this particular generation isn't afraid to go, couldn't do it. That seems to be a part of the Gen Z laissez-faire package. But the conclusions of all these surveys indicate they actually do want to be engaged. They do want to be active, but they're missing something. Before Gen Z, connectivity was a luxury. Now it's a necessity. What article was I reading last night that talked about internet information, that there's a difference between information and knowledge because knowledge and truth leads to wisdom. So does the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning But information gathering will never make you knowledgeable. You know how it goes. You're at dinner. You bring up the subject of a movie or you bring up the subject of some location. You know, I wonder how many people actually do live there. Hold on. And then we Google. You get the number. Do you remember the information? Jimmy, let me just use you as a test case. You ever done that? You're at... You're yeah, having yeah. a conversation. Hey, 
Who was the director of that movie? Absolutely. You look it up and then it's it's gone as soon as you. Yeah, I was gonna, I was, what I was going to ask you is, can you remember one of those bites of information? No, nope, absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, either. It just it doesn't lead to wisdom. And that's the world that our kids are living in. I know what it was. Elmo from Sesame Street. Apparently, they're still cranking those out. And Elmo, during his program, I'm talking about a puppet like he's real. So Elmo will say to his cell phone, uh, you know, how do we how do we know anything? You go to the Internet. No, that's how you gather information. But it's rarely how you know anything, study anything, meditate on everything, grow. It's just a machine that should be a crutch, but frankly, has replaced education. But enough about the Internet. Let's talk about Gen Z, which happens to be rather consumed by the Internet. From HuffPost, Zach Mercurio wrote, the newest generation to enter the workforce, Generation Z, should be called, here it is, the Purpose Generation. There's a reason the purpose-driven life sold millions of books. It wasn't because of its theological precision. It was because it was scratching an itch. We are made for a purpose. We just aim in the wrong direction perpetually. And it appears that this particular generation coming up is asking the questions. How do I find it? Where do I get it? How do I do it? Now, the good news about this is we've got the answer to these questions. I have to tell you, As I stand here, I'm thinking about Road Trip to Truth Season 4 and how we might address some of these issues for young people to to just at least give them a framework to think through. How do you figure out your purpose in life? The church should be the place where this happens. If you've got a Gen Zer, they're wondering, what am I doing here? Does Christianity not answer that? And we've got to answer it rightly. We've got to make sure that we give them biblical facts and not just opinions, because we're doing that a lot, aren't we? Throw out a fleece, wait for a liver shiver. That's no way to know what you're supposed to be doing. I, 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 if you're wondering what your purpose is, I can tell you exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Glorifying God. That's it. That's our gig. We, we aren't made to be worshipped. We are made to worship. We are made to follow. We are made to serve our God. And there is nothing more noble or lofty than that. How you do it, it expresses itself. As many people as walk the planet glorifying God can present itself in that package and in that form. Whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, unto the glory of God. These young people are wondering, well, What am I doing here? Purpose is significant to this generation and it emphasizes and its emphasis bleeds into every facet of their lives. This to me is like, could you just put it up on a T? Could you just set it up a little better for me to be able to share my faith with a Gen Zer? I got to tell you, the next time I'm out on the campus, I'm going to ask, what's your purpose? What, what do you, what? And here's what they're, this is because I've asked that before and, and, and I know what the answer is. I'm a biology major. Okay. Um, that might be your career, but that's not your purpose. What, why do you, why do you do biology? Why do you do work? Why are you studying? Why, why do you, why do you brush your hair? What do you, what, what, what are you doing here? 
and they don't know. How thrilling is it to be confident that we do know? Oh, friend, I can help you with this. I happen to have some information. More information about this particular generation. This is from a research company. Gen Z exhibits the following traits regarding work life. They are eager to start working. Hmm, that's fascinating. Then why aren't they? Where are the workers out there? I read an article, I think at the Federalist, they tried to answer that question. It was a wee bit on the frustrating side. It was packed with information, but no conclusions because nobody has any. What, what, why isn't anybody working out there? My estimation, I think the answer is, well, we've lost the Protestant work ethic, y'all. We don't teach those things anymore, and we are a vanishing race, so we are no longer influencing culture when it comes to work ethic. So they're not. According to this research company, Gen Z, they want to start working. They are mature and in control. They believe traditional choices do not guarantee success. Interesting. You might find that annoying. Why aren't you going with the tradition? Because I'm not confident it works. I think this might return us to the subject of marriage. They don't think it works, so they just give up on it. They just don't even bother. Social circles are global. The, the, the Generation Z, they want interesting work. Organization that they're like, yeah, this is it. Work they're passionate about. Having the right information. Always learning. Hmm. Is there anything that we Christians happen to know that might satisfy their desire for all of these things. Don't be intimidated by this generation. In fact, hit it head on in your youth group Sunday school. Go right after this and let them know there is no greater purpose in life than living for the Lord Jesus Christ who laid down his life for you. Now die to yourself, live for him, and believe me, you will have purpose. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, U.S. Senate is expected to vote next week on legislation that would legalize killing your baby up to birth across the country. How fun is that? This bill, if passed, would essentially void the Texas heartbeat abortion ban and other similar bills across the country. The good news, if we can say there's any good news about this at all, but the good news is that the bill is poised to fail. But it does lead to a pretty historic moment in this country, because even if it fails, this will mark the first time that the U.S. Senate votes on a standalone bill that would enshrine the right to baby murder in federal law. The morals of this country's leadership is wavering faster than most of us expected it to. The Alliance Defending Freedom has reported an issue with Southern Illinois University Edwardsville, who they claim has violated the constitutional rights of one student. The student, Maggie DeJong, is a Christian who has had no issues respectfully sharing her viewpoints in the classroom. But three of her classmates have decided that no one can have an opinion that differs from theirs, and so they complain to the university's officials who then agreed with them. And so Maggie was given a no-contact order by the school, which applies on and off campus. Okay, so look, there's nothing about this decision by the school that's okay at any level, but I can kind of understand their decision more for no-contact orders on campus. But the school has zero authority in anyone's life off campus, not by a long shot. At this point, Maggie's attorneys with the Alliance Defending Freedom have not pursued legal action as they're trying to settle the matter before it goes that far, but they are ready 
to take those steps if necessary. Now, in France, the French National Assembly has voted to legalize baby murder up to 14 weeks gestation, two weeks longer than the previous law. Apparently, protecting the lives of innocent unborn babies is not a concern in France, nor is it a concern for many other countries around the world. But putting time limits on when a woman can legally have an abortion does not make you look caring. It's still allowing the murder of innocent unborn babies. And not to be outdone by France, the Constitutional Court of Colombia has voted to legalize abortion up to 24 weeks of pregnancy. Colombia said, France, we see your 14 weeks and we raise you 10. Prior to the ruling, murdering a baby was only allowed in cases of rape or to save the life of the mother. But oh, how the world falls. Well, according to disturbing reports from Tennessee, two women entered an evening worship service of a church and robbed a 78-year-old woman's purse. One woman emptied the purse containing money and credit cards, while the other woman kept the elderly church member distracted by praying with her. How more despicable can you be to rob an elderly woman by fooling her into praying with you? Sick and twisted, but it is an example of just how evil the depraved heart is. More Wretched Radio straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. God has given the church many gifts for the building up of the body. One gift is the ability to discern between true and false spirits. Satan masquerades as an angel of light, and many false teachers present their lies as God's truth. But God has given us His truth, and He has equipped us to tell true from false in accordance with His Word. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Welcome to Social Studies. This is Wretched Radio. Jimmy, you believe because you happen to have some Gen Z's living in your home, which means you bump into them, you go to school, you meet them, perhaps friends, neighbors. So when I was scratching my head wondering what does it mean that Gen Zers embrace failure, mm-hmm. I couldn't I could I couldn't get that. But you say you've observed that. I have observed that. I have witnessed, um, you know, when uh, bad grades come home uh, instead of, you know, motivating that that being a motivation to uh, to do better next time. It's always uh, I try my best. And that's and that's enough. And you let it go. No, I don't let it well, go. No, but the, yeah, they, that's ears do. Yeah, they do. I, well, I'm trying my best. Try, you know, I'll try again next well, time. Well, you know, this might be interesting because I happen to hold in my never before nicotine stained fingers an article written by Carl Truman, which means it was hard because <laughs> he's a really smart guy. And now this is this is. Social studies speculation, which frankly is what most social studies are. A society ashamed of shame. They, 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 they just reject it. And as we observe our Romans 1 culture, what is one of the curbs that God puts in place to keep people from behaving like Lord of the Flies inhabitants? And that is shame. Feeling like, oh, I don't want society to think this about me. I don't want my family to have this opinion of me. I'm going to try harder, do better, behave righter. But it maybe there's a connection here with Gen Zers embracing failure because typically, historically, different generations, failure was unacceptable. You don't fail. Getting an F was horrifying for me. I mean, yikes. If I have to bring that home, what's oh, this is going to be the end of the world as I know it. 
But maybe not so much these days because Carl Truman is on to something. Let's see what Dr. Truman had to say. Uh, Adidas is the subject of the article on shame with a new ad campaign for a new sports bra. And the way that they're promoting this features pictures of um, 25 women that have uh, nothing on up top. That's that's the ad campaign. Clever, Adidas. So glad that you're trying to empower women while you go about the business of using them to sell your product. At any rate, the irony aside, let's hope I can find a better way to describe this. Moving forward, a sport. This is Carl Truman, a sports clothing company (laughs) cannot rest content with doing what it has always done selling sports clothing. It has to teach the rest of us how to think about life. Adidas declared in a Twitter exchange, because apparently that's the superhighway of information, is the Twitter land, declared that um, this part of a woman's body are a natural part of the anatomy. No, you don't. Really? That's stunning. I never knew that. Of course, it's a natural part of their anatomy. So is, so is their elbow. It's connected to their body. It's usually a natural part of their body. Nevertheless, it's time to remove the stigma to allow future generations to flourish. Okay, you say flourish. I say be used and oppressed. But hey, whatever your word choice happens to be, isn't it fascinating that we see tennis shoe company, a sporting goods company, lecturing, moralizing. It's not their business anymore to just do business. It's their business to get in your business and change the way you think. And they are trying to go after something very fundamental, and that is clothing, the very product that they sell. I mean, why would anybody need a sports bra if we're going to be genuinely au natural or any of your Adidas clothing? There's no point to it, but they use it to sell their product and to undermine biblical concepts. Shame is squarely front and center in the Bible. Adam and Eve, they were naked, afraid, ashamed of themselves. And that is a gift from God. You do something wrong. Uh, I don't want the cultural feedback on myself because I behave like this. I wouldn't want it. So therefore, I'm not going to do it. That's a, It's a blessing. It's a curb for culture. And it appears that it's lifting and it's not being helped by Adidas, who's trying to do everything to tear down any cultural norms and biblical norms. They said it's important to normalize the human body. You know, that. Uh, It's only in the world of Twitter can that type of argumentation gain any traction. And slogan, we just, we've just got to realize our bodies, man, it's it's just natural. Nobody's arguing. This is a Martin Bailey. That's what, Jimmy, we got a Martin Bailey here. We got one. I think so. The Mott is the castle, the fortress, the statement that everybody agrees on. The human body is natural. (laughs) Okay, there you go. Now, they take that truth that we all share, they bring it out into the Bailey marketplace, and it turns into, therefore, don't wear clothing. Hold, wait, wait, and then you go, hey, hey, 
Uh, no, we should be wearing clothing and covering up. There should be shame. There's a there's a biblical reason for this. They run back to the mountain and go, well, don't you think the human body is natural? No. No, the old Martin Bailey. No. Have you ever seen it more clearly than that? Modesty. This is Carl Truman now. In an odd inversion is now seen as shameful, unnatural, and a stigma, no less. So what used to be shameful isn't. But if you say, mm, in essence, shame on you, that's shameful. That's that's the that's the shame. If you want to maintain any of the norms that our culture has possessed now for centuries, millennia, then 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 you're the one who should be ashamed. Wow, how the tables have turned. One only has to listen to politicians to see this in action, writes Truman, where once the phrase expletive deleted in the transcripts of the Watergate tapes hurt Richard Nixon, the use of obscenities and crudities is now the hallmark of many leading figures, including the current president and his predecessor. That's true. I'll never forget. I just remember... This is this is years ago. I believe it was the Health Act. It was Obamacare that was getting passed. And Joe Biden caught on tape, dropped the F-bomb into the president's ear as he walked to the podium to announce it. Whoa. No shame. No stick. No, that's fine. No, it's fine. Yeah. Come on. Don't you don't you like free speech? There you go. Okay, there it is. Right. There's another Martin Bailey. We all love the idea of free speech. Therefore, it's perfectly swell if presidents drop the F-bomb. Well, no, hold on a second here. Uh, You know, they have the right to do that, but they shouldn't be doing it. Don't you believe in free speech? Oh, the Martin Bailey. This is Carl Truman again. Modesty toward the body is simply one more cause uh, casualty of a culture that is losing shame. Who benefits from this abandonment of modesty? The answer is nobody, certainly not women, and it's certainly not going to be children. The loss of modesty seems to have fueled nothing but the further sexualization and objectification of the female body. How naive. Yes, let's it'll be liberating for women to run around uh, at the beach like they're in France. It'll it'll be liberating. As every single man on the beach goes, yeah, yeah, liberating. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, it's liberating. Got to liberate the women. How naive is this? It's so unbiblical. Nor does the loss of modesty liberate children. Today, our billboards, store windows contain images that would have been considered soft porn in the recent past. You know, I have observed that, too. You go walk through the mall and whoa, what is what? Unbelievable. And the kids are seeing these images constantly and a lot more of them. They're shoving these into our children's line of vision. It merely confuses and corrupts them. This is our world. And I'm just wondering, speculating a wee bit, but that's what social studies are. That maybe the reason Gen Zers embrace failure is because there's no shame in it. No embarrassment. They're... There's just nothing wrong with it. And so whatever. I, yeah, we lost the game 74 to zero. Are we, are we going to go to Dairy Queen so I can show people my ribbon? <laughs> Perhaps there is a connection. Now, the tricky part, of course, is how do you get shame back into a culture? I don't think the answer is by telling them shame on you. 
I, I, I don't think that it just should be a natural response based on morals and values of a culture, of a family, of a church community, of a neighborhood. So what is it going to take for people to have more biblical values? Hmm, don't need a social studies book to answer that question. People need to be regenerated. They need the gospel. If, if you just go bonkers at virtually everything you see in this world, which is indeed bonkers, that should motivate us not to be defeatist, not to break laws, but to witness to people because that is the only thing that has any potential to pull this society out of its current cultural swamp. This is Wretched Radio. You are one of those people who considers long and hard to whom you're going to give your discretionary funds. Don't blame you for that. Would like to let you know if you are considering preborn.org that they are a holistic ministry, not like Whole Foods, not all hippy-dippy. I mean, they're well-rounded. Not only ultrasounds for women who are considering abortions, which 80% of the time save the child's life. They do that. They also counsel the mommies, help them to become good mommies. They provide clothing. They provide diapers. They provide baby food. And if that isn't holistic enough, they counsel the dads because 84% of the time dads are involved. Boyfriends are involved with the abortion. They're pressuring the women. And Preborn teaches them how to be men who can be good dads. Sound holistic enough? Preborn.org. Preborn.org. Thank you for joining us for Wretched Radio today. When is the last time you took a gander around the Wretched Store? If it's been a while, I'd like to urge you to do so today. The Wretched Store is home to tons of great resources, books, booklets, videos, MP3s, and curriculum. And I'll go out on the limb and say that everybody will be able to find something they'll love and learn from in the Wretched Store. So take some time and peruse all we have available. Wretched.org slash store. All of the resources that you'll find find are only made possible by the support of our gospel partners. We can't produce the content that we're able to produce without that ongoing support. So while you're visiting the Wretched store at wretched.org, would you also consider taking a look at our donate page by clicking the give link at the top of the page? There you'll find all the information you will ever need regarding becoming a gospel partner. Wretched.org slash store, wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. And now, some good news for a change from Eastern Europe. A mother of a Tomorrow Club's child who's a university teacher, she just got saved because her daughter was going to the Tomorrow Club. And now she's bringing the gospel into her university. That is happening all the time. Tomorrow Club's kids' clubs in remote villages in Ukraine, they preach the gospel to the kids who just love hearing about Jesus and they love being loved on by the team leaders. They bring that gospel home. Parents are getting saved. Churches are being re-energized and repopulated. It's a magnificent ministry. $30 per month disciples 30 children in Eastern Europe. Would you please consider supporting a Tomorrow Club or two or as many as you possibly can? Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Titles of Christ. 
In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who He is and what He has done. Jesus is called our Passover. During the first Passover, God spared those whose doors were covered with the blood of a lamb. When we trust in Christ, we are covered by His blood so that we are spared from God's wrath. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Prepare to be impressed or agitated. This is Wretched Radio. Jimmy, would you be impressed if I could possibly concoct another radio segment featuring social studies? We've done three out of the four. Do you think I've got it in me? I think you don't have it in you, but let's see. I would be impressed. I'm answering your question. I would be impressed. All right, then. You have motivated me to then share what nobody wants to hear. (laughs) Because we know that the Bible is going to help people's thinking, that their their brains. I just read somebody talking about the noetic effect of the fall. They said our brains are compromised. And I thought, well, yeah, they're 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 at a minimal level compromised. They're just they're just a dog's breakfast is what they are. Our brains are broken. They're busted. They're just all wired wrong, and we need reprogramming, and that has to happen from the Bible. We know that answer, but I think it's a little bit probably simplistic to hear about all of these cultural stories and just retreat to the Bible. I I think we need to understand why people are behaving the way that they are, and it is not to contextualize anything. It's just to be aware Honestly, it, it, this this whole confusion over contextualization, it does drive me a bit bonkers because we use the word contextualization. It's another Mott and Bailey. It's, it's another Mott and Bailey. Okay, so Jimmy, here's another Mott and Bailey oh, for man. your consideration. Okay. Jimmy. Yes. Wouldn't you agree that people need to understand the gospel in a relevant way. Sure. Therefore, we're going to put on a rock show and show movie trailer clips <laughs> and preach from that. And your response uh, is no, no, no. What? Don't you want people to understand the gospel in a relevant way? Die! <laughs> You're doing the Martin Bailey <laughs> dance on us again. <laughs> I think it was a psychologist that coined the Mott and Bailey phrase. I can't tell you how often I see it now. It's actually kind of annoying that you see this sort of debate going on constantly. Here's here's a sort of agreed upon cultural norm. The outworking of it is wackadoodle. You tag them on it. They run back to the original premise and then shame you for not agreeing. Oh, ain't that clever. Let's see if this social studies exploration can continue. Majority of pastors say they want racially diverse congregations. This is an article from the Christian Post. This has been a push of our day. We are looking at our churches and recognizing Zoink Scoob. They're very monotone, very white, very black, very Asian. And it seems that this observation, which is correct, is, uh-oh, Jimmy, it might be a Mott and Bailey. <laughs> I was just thinking that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jimmy, uh-huh. don't you agree that congregations, it's wonderful when they're culturally diverse? Yeah, absolutely. Therefore, we have to make sure that we target a particular people group based on their skin color. 
to uh, get him into our church. No, no, no. What? Don't you want the church to be culturally diverse? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and then lately, there have been big pushes to tell pastors, look at your church. If it's all white, shame on you. It's interesting, by the way, that the least diverse church in culture is the, hate the term, black church. And the good news is, from this particular article, a lot of pastors aren't happy about it. They, 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 they think, you know, it, it would be better to have variety here. The question, of course, is I think we all agree that that's cool. But is that a mandate? Is that necessary? I understand the thinking that our church should be reflective of the current makeup of the zip code that we live in. So if it's X percent this color, that should be in your church. X percent that color, it should be in your church. I'm not sure that that is actually a rule that we should be following. First of all, I think, I think it kind of undermines the power of the gospel and that the gospel, that we don't try to get people into church based on skin color. We try to preach the gospel to people, evangelize people, they get saved, and then they desire to be in a body, and skin color ain't on the top of their list of concerns regarding a local church. Instead, it's do they preach the Bible, which is why, in my estimation, Bible-teaching churches are the most diverse churches I've ever seen. And Justin Peters agreed with me. Don't, don't know if you recall him saying this. That as he travels the country, if he goes into a pretty traditional evangelical church, it tends to be lily white. He goes into an expository church, and it's a sea of varieties. That's because that's the power of the gospel. When we invent programs to somehow try to be representative of culture, uh, I don't even know how you do that. If, 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 if you're not sheep stealing, and I think the fundamental reason that that ideology is so attractive is because it does make sense, doesn't it? I mean, like a store, if, if, if you're a retail outlet, your customers, it should be about pretty much the same percentages that you're living in. If you're if you're trying to do commerce with everybody, it makes sense. But I think it is to overlook something that I just don't know we should be considering sinful necessarily. Is it sinful that 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 there there's there is a part of Atlanta. It's um ah uh, ah uh, what uh, uh Jimmy maybe you know it's Norcross Georgia. There there's a highway that runs through it, and it, and if you look at at all the signs, you start to realize I can't understand any of them because they're written in Asian, Korean, uh, mostly Korean at least in that particular section of town. The yeah. businesses are Korean. Then you start looking around at churches, and it's like all these Korean Presbyterian churches. Well, today's model of driving for making sure a culture, a church is representative of the culture would have to say, no, 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 you b- b- bad Korean church. You can't do that. And there's something inside of us that goes, well, is that so terrible? And I think that's the better inclination. Does it have to be terrible that people who share certain things like to assemble together and maybe even prefer that. Is there anything innately wrong with that? And I think the answer is no, it, it doesn't. Ha- 
No. I mean, when you back off the the lens from church and just pull it back a bit, isn't church automatically, if you will, I probably shouldn't use the word discretionary, but it, it there, there there is just a, you're, if you're not a Christian, you're, well, you're not a part of this. So does it have to be bad that your congregation is all all white or mostly all white or mostly all black? And I think the answer to that is it doesn't have to be. It could be. I mean, it could be. There, there could be an element in the church that doesn't want that. That's a sin problem. But at its on the face of it, I don't think that it has to be. Interestingly, from this particular article, uh, these new pushes to be culturally diverse in our churches, it ain't working. And I'm not shocked. How, how do you? Hey, you're Asian. We need you at our church. Would you come because you're Asian? I mean, really? That to me is ridiculously offensive. Now, normally we'd pass by you if you were Caucasian, but you're Asian, so we want you. Tell me that isn't discrimination to the max in its worst form. While a majority of Protestant pastors say churches should be racially diverse, most of their churches continue to be made up of predominantly one racial or ethnic group. This is from, what a shocker, Lifeway. You know what? Lifeway should do a poll asking people if they want any more Lifeway polls. <laughs> I think that would be a good poll right there. Survey of a thousand Protestant pastors. This is last September. Shows seventy-six percent of respondents said their churches are predominantly made up of one racial ethnic group. In two thousand seventeen, ninety-three percent of pastors said the church should aim to achieve racially diverse congregations. Okay, how do you do that without actually entering into the territory of actually being racist? We're identifying the the very message that we preach that says the gospel means you have new adjectives. You have new nouns. I'm not talking pronouns here. You're a Christian. You're not white. You're not black. You're a Christian who happens to have that much melanin. That's the new ordering in the Christian church. And to try to go out and force that to happen for the sake of being culturally diverse it's almost like Christian affirmative action. What we're picking you, be, we're befriending you just because of your skin color. Gulp. So people who are trying to follow the cult, the pressure that we feel in society and inside of the church, because we are a pragmatic lot, aren't we? They're discovering um, we're not being very successful at this. That it just ain't happening. Another study, 10% of mainline Protestant churches are multiracial, 10%. 22% of evangelical congregations are multiracial. How did they get there? I hope the answer is preaching the word, preaching the word, preaching the word. Society, sometimes they can observe things that are good or bad, and we can be aware of that. But let's not be pressured by culture to do something that just isn't biblical. You impressed, Jimmy? Made it. Mary. Made it. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.